was the night before fantasy Christmas, so quiet in town, not a reception to be had even by Antonio Brown. The helmets were hung in the locker with great care, in hopes that NFL touchdowns soon would be here. The Patriots were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of Super Bowls danced in their heads. And A.J. Green with a spot of tea and I with a soda had just settled in to watch Marcus Mariota. When out in Miami, there arose such a clatter, Jay Cutler sprang to the sideline to see what was the matter. Away to the end zone, Dalvin Cook flew like a flash. Not to be outdone, Le'Veon Bell then dashed. The light from a bomb fresh out of Aaron Rodgers' hand, almost eclipsed by the shadow of DeMarco Murray, so grand. And what to Todd Gurley's eyes should appear, Detroit's Golden Tate and third downs that disappear. T.Y. Hilton and his Colts so lively and fast, I knew to watch out for a Marshawn Lynch blast. More rapid than a pass from Drew Brees they came, Harbaugh's Ravens they hit and tackled them by name. Now Howard, now Cooks, now Julio and Amari. On Wilson, on Olsen, Fitzgerald and Monty. To the red zone they flew, straight to the far corner. Now catch like Gronkowski, that fantasy point hoarder. As slot receptions to Thielen do silence the doubters. But in Washington, those passes all go to Jamison Crowder. So off to week one, the players all flew with two-point conversions, as NFL teams now do. And then in a twinkling, a shake from Amir Abdullah, led by Matthew Stafford, now swimming in Moolah. We focused on the games, often eight at a time, and on Sunday watch Antonio Gates, one of the best of all time. He was dressed powder blue, adored by the bolts. Like pewter pirates with Winston, their playoff hope floats. The Broncos were there too, a mile high they do score, as were the Chiefs with Kareem Hunt very hungry for more. The NFC West, the Seahawks so bellowed. Russell Wilson is best, with Doug Baldwin, such an angry fellow. The Jaguars with Coughlin hope Fournette stops the hurt. Who will be the surprise fantasy top five tight end? Could it be Zach Ertz? Those eyes, how they twinkle, a fantasy title would be so merry. Jordy Nelson's a touchdown Sunday, Jay Ajayi, the cherry. The quiet Richard Matthews, so very under the radar, Ted Ginn can sure fly, catching passes so far. The fingers on laces, the oval-shaped ball, Adrian Peterson's a legend, goal line touchdowns, he mauls. The players are ready, Minneapolis their pinnacle, Frank Gore still a starter, a true fantasy miracle. The games will be great, we hope some C.O.T. Kendall Wright's now a factor, result of a Cameron Meredith injury. With a wink of an eye and a twist of the head, waivers and trades do start up, there's nothing to dread. Time to speak, not a word, just sit back and relax. It's the best time of year. Sorry, old Witten, it's a fact. Scott nails DFS lineups, the story so goes. To the microphone Mike comes, always together they rose. Right to the podcast, Gene Steratore sound the whistle, and now they will fly like down of a thistle. But I hear them exclaim as the NFL season bangs the drum, Happy Fantasy Christmas to all, because the fun has just begun!
ready to talk fantasy football? Then you're ready for the Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your hosts, Mike Randall and Scott Berg. Oh, isn't it beautiful, Scott? It's fantasy Christmas in September, huh? What a beautiful little jingle we had there, huh? Oh, uh, you weren't kidding. I got the uh, iced hot co- cocoa ready to go here and uh, looking forward to this. That was a great job there. We, uh, If you're not ready for f- fantasy football now after that little jingle, I don't know what's going to get you going. We waited all year for this. We waited all summer. We had the NFL draft. We've talked about training camp, waivers, who's high, who's too low, who do we want, and it's all here and ready to go. We're going to start on Thursday with the Pats and the Chiefs. Time for talking is over. Time for putting up numbers is here. No more uh, fantasy. How did I do? What should I do? Where should I go? You've got your teams. We're ready to rock and roll. Folks, thanks so much for tuning in here on the Picking Up the Blitz podcast. Scott Burke, Mike Randall, we're both here with you today. We're going to take you through four quarters as we always do. And we start with quarter one with our news and notes. All right, Scott, I think we have to start with the big one here. Andrew Luck has been ruled out week one. Surprise, surprise. You put this on Twitter weeks ago about how he could be out until week six. Now, he came off the uh, physically unable to perform list, but it looks like it's going to be Scott Tolzien in the opener in L.A. against the Rams. Yeah, the Colts tried to keep this as close to the vest as possible. I mean, like I said, we put this out a couple weeks ago on Twitter, some speculation, now courtesy of Bleacher Report, that he might be out for a long term. We finally get the uh, confirmation that he is going to be out week one. I think we knew Right then and there when the uh, Colts opted to trade uh, Philip Dorsett to the New England Patriots in exchange for Jacoby Brissett. I had also put that out there that, you know, based on what quarterback they tried to get after cuts and everything, that we might have a better clue on what was going on. Brissett showed in the preseason. He was showcased. He could play a little bit. But yeah, Andrew Luck being out. Scott Tolzien, the guy ready to go in Los Angeles against the Rams week one. Could be a bit of a bloodbath here for the Colts going on the road. Tough defense. Definitely low scoring affair, but you know, you got to hope that this is only one or two games for the Colts. But this, you know, I, I think this could be a little bit more. I mean, the Colts tried to keep this quiet as long as they could. We knew he was hurt, but we didn't know how hurt he was. Now we know he's at least out week one, and you know, who knows how long. Fantasy impact in my mind is stay away. I have no interest in Dante Moncrief, T.Y. Hilton. He's outside, he's not in a dome, he's with Scott Tolzien. Do like the Rams defense, which we'll go to the next one. Head coach Sean McVay says he is very optimistic that Aaron Donald will be back wreaking havoc on Scott Tolzien in week one. Scott, you that confident? Uh, yeah, listen, I got to take his word for it that he's confident this guy's going to be back, ready to go, anchor that defense for the Rams. Um, you know, I don't know if Aaron Donald needs to be out there or, you know, the practice squad guys could be out there to wreak havoc on Scott Tolzien. This is just a tough situation for Tolzien and the Colts to go in. We're not expecting much from the Rams offensively, but defensively, they're consistent year in, year out. You know, they play in that NFC West. They battle the Seahawks year in and year out. So defense is always there. They're good to go. Again, like you said, this is a stay-away job from the Colts. I mean, you stay away from a Moncrief. T.Y. Hilton's value just took a big hit if luck is out long-term. Frank Gore, you know, Frank Gore's a, you know, the running back, he's going to get some touches, but now you even got a little competition there. Frank Gore's older. So this is a, from a fantasy standpoint, this is a stay-away on all ends of the Colts. If you're streaming defenses or you have drafted the defense, the Rams is a solid defensive play week one. Yeah, they're not getting drafted. We, Scott and I have another fancy draft tonight, our last one we're going at tonight. So if you're still drafting this week, you can wait on defenses. And if you want to get up to a good start, I think the Rams at home should be solid. Also big news, Le'Veon Bell, as he said to that Twitter person, September 1st with a wink, 
Sure enough, Scott, September 1st, he was there, signed his franchise franchise tag, one year, $12 million. He's back. How do you feel about him week one? I feel just as good as I would if he was there for the entire training camp. I mean, he doesn't need preseason action. He's He's got enough of a track record that we know he'll be ready to go. You know, the play the Cleveland Browns on the road week one, Bell will get his touches. He will pretty much be 95% snap share, if not more, at the running back position. Maybe sprinkle in a little James Conner, get his feet wet, a little Terrell Watson, who was outstanding in the preseason, earned his way on this roster, being the number three seed. Le'Veon Bell, he, he's ready for a full load. I know Mike Tomlin, Todd Haley will give him everything he can handle week one. It's almost, oh, it'll almost be like a little bit of, I want to say a punishment for Le'Veon Bell. The Steelers will give him touch after touch after touch. He'll get him right involved for missing the four weeks of preseason. There was no question he was coming back. He was signing this tender. He, he, he knows he's got to be here. He's going to get that contract. They'll give him that contract. You know, so for me, Le'Veon Bell is, you know, you use him as you would normally if he was there for four weeks of the preseason. Another running back in the headlines here for for fantasy looking uh, to make an impact. Adrian Peterson, former Viking running back, now Saint running back, going into Minnesota week one. Peterson, he's looking to stick it to his former team in Minnesota week one with the Saints. What do you think, Mike? Any fantasy impact with Peterson splitting time with Ingram? I think that head coaches take every advantage, Scott, they can get. Any little motivational tool they take. I will tell you this. Adrian Peterson is getting a touchdown in that game. You can lock it up. I don't know what the split's going to be the rest of the year. I don't know if Peterson's going to get winded as the year goes on and Ingram's going to get more. The goal line carries in this game, in a revenge game, are going to go to Adrian Peterson's way. So if you got him, you have to start him. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he'd definitely be the first one to get those goal line touches. Ingram, I think, I think Ingram will get most of the, most of the touches in, outside the twenties, but inside the twenties, look for Peterson to get some, get some action here, especially in the goal line. And, you know, Sean Payton's no dummy. He, he, he knows Peterson's looking to make an impact in Minnesota. So I look for Peterson to be involved. Another running back and team making headlines. Doug Peterson and the Eagles saying, you know, running back will, the running back carries will be dictated by the game plan, you know. So they brought in LeGarrette Blunt here and people on Twitter, social media all around the world went nuts because LeGarrette Blunt was a touchdown machine in New England. He's an automatic RB1. It's nonsense, folks. He's not an automatic RB1. We talked about this last week outside of New England. He really has been unable to perform. So with Peterson saying the running back carry is dictated by game plan, does Blunt really take as big of a hit as I think he does with Smallwood, Sproles, and so forth? Preaching to the choir here, I am not a LeGarrette Blunt guy. The numbers played out that when he wasn't in New England, he was not productive. You t- said it last time. He's walking off the field in Pittsburgh. Give me a break. This guy is a goal line inside the five running back. If he gets the ball outside of the red zone, somewhere between the 20s, he's going to get two yards and plow directly ahead. They're going to be Wendell Smallwood. They're going to be Darren Sproles. If the game script is negative and the Eagles are not winning, he's never going to see the field. This is just staying the obvious. Thank you, Doug Peterson. You and I, Scott, have to decide whether we believe the coaches, right? Sometimes they tell the truth. Sometimes they don't. I think he's right on here. I think they saw that Blunt can't get outside. If he gave him a Ferrari, he can't turn the corner. So I think that this is a clear stay away. This is not a guy I want because you're going to sit there and pray that he gets the ball at the three yard line. Outside of that, he's useless. Yeah, I can't. I can't be hoping for a guy to get you know seven carries in a game and just hope three of them are within, inside the five and he's going to punch one or two in, in the end zone. So for me, he's a big stay away. He's been a stay away from the get go, even when he made his move into Philadelphia. Vance Joseph, Denver Broncos, with the reports of Brock Osweiler resigning with the Broncos after being cut by the Cleveland Browns, came out. Pretty much said, this is Trevor Simeon's team. No talk about Brock Osweiler coming in and being a threat to Simeon. This is Simeon's team in Denver. Osweiler had some success there two years ago in that Broncos Super Bowl run before you know, he handed over the reins to Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl. For me, you know, if Simeon, if Simeon has some trouble here with Osweiler already knowing the system, 
being there before, yeah, it's a new coach, understood. But w- w- how do you feel about Vance Joseph saying, this is Simeon's team, Osweiler, you know, you're the backup? You got to say that. You have to give the guy who's starting the confidence. And listen, I'm a big fan of Jay Cutler getting a second chance. Now, listen, you're not going to start Brock Osweiler. Let's take it easy in fantasy. But for real life, do I think Brock Osweiler, Scott, could be decent in Denver since he was decent there that year? Absolutely. And if you're a Demarius Thomas or an Emmanuel Sanders owner, you have to be happy about this because he was a guy who actually got on the ball once in a while. This The quarterback situation there is terrible. C.J. Anderson, who knows if he's going to stay healthy. He's the starter right now. So the last time Brock was there, the offense was okay. So yeah, I, I, I think this is a good thing for NFL really doesn't have a ton of fantasy impact unless you have those auxiliary players because at least you know if Simeon isn't good there's a guy who's done it before although he's really struggled the last few years yeah I mean I think there was some concern with Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders just because you know we saw Simeon in that opener last year he looked like he could play the position but then as the season went on it went back and forth he really didn't you know step up his game too much so Osweiler has a report with these guys I mean in a couple weeks if Simeon falters, Osweiler could be there. Big news out of Tennessee as we switch gears to the wide receiver position. Tajay Sharp put on season-ending IR with a foot injury. This is going to open up the door for someone like a Corey Davis. I mean, you have Rashad Matthews is there already. Mariota has a great rapport with him. We saw that last year. You brought in the veteran Eric Decker. Delaney Walker is there. He's going to get his touches. Now Corey Davis, who expects to be, who isn't expected to be on a snap count in his uh, NFL debut, Probably be in certain situations. I wouldn't expect him to be on the field at all times. But with Tajay Sharp out, does Corey Davis benefit the most from this season-long injury? I think Corey Davis is going to struggle. Scott, how many wide receivers do you know that were drafted, really didn't play much in the preseason, and end up having a major impact? Wide receivers, besides that one year a few years ago where they were dominant, right? The three guys who got a 1,000 yards. They take a while to get accustomed to the offense. This is not a huge passing volume offense. Mariota's super efficient, 33 touchdowns, no interceptions in the red zone. We know that stat. Rashard Matthews is the best wide receiver there. I've been saying that over and over again. Eric Decker is a veteran receiver, top guy, red zone machine. I think Davis will come along slow. I think Davis is a middle of the year, end of the year, maybe guy that you take a flyer on if he's healthy. The guy who's made a, a lot of progress in the preseason has been Taiwan Taylor. So... I'm really down on Davis. It's sort of a wait-and-see approach. I wouldn't even stash him on deep benches. I sort of see how the season goes on. Tywan Taylor could come out here, Scott, and have a big first game against those Raiders, and I think Rashard Matthews is the safest guy. Someone there is getting over 100 targets, but it's certainly not going to be Corey Davis. No, I, I agree with this one. I mean, Matthews, Decker, I mean, I put Davis in that category of like a Josh Dotson, a La- Laquan Treadwell came out of college. High, high draft picks with a lot of expectations. Dotson yet to really get himself going with injuries. He'll get his shot this year. Treadwell really don't know much about him yet in Minnesota where he's going to go. So I kind of put him in that, that same situation. I think Davis will eventually be involved there, but you know, right now I'd stay away from Davis as well. Scott, real curious. Last one here for news and notes in the first quarter. You're the big DFS guy. You're going to give us a lot of great tips later in the fourth quarter, but certainly we have to look at matchups and you have the buff, you have Buffalo and the Jets. So there's a lot of things here. No Sheldon Richardson for the Jets. So certainly you would think LaShawn McCoy is a really good play. I think we know that. But Tyrod Taylor, he's out of the concussion protocol, but he certainly doesn't fit the offense there in Buffalo as well as Nathan Peterman does. And Sean McDermott, head coach, came out and said that Nathan Peterman is ready to go if necessary. Jordan Matthews is still injured. Scott, I guess I'm asking here, what is the week one impact for Jets' bills? Are you looking to play any of them? Forte, Powell? I know you get to this later, but this game is a whole hodgepodge. Do you stay away or do you just say it's McCoy and that's it? Well, listen, first reaction here, you know, people that play DFS are going to play this week one. 
I can guarantee you that the defense that's going to be overloaded on is going to be the Buffalo Bills because no one's expecting anything out of the Jets offense. And I think that's going to be a little bit of a tricky situation. This game is up in Buffalo. People are going to overreact to the Jet offense being as bad as people think it's going to be. Josh McCown's a capable starter. He he can make some plays. You know, the Jets not expecting much out of the Jets. Nathan Peterman, I don't care if the coach thinks he's, you know, good to go, can carry this offense. He's not a DFS play week one. This is one of those games where it's either going to be 7-7 going into the fourth quarter or these two teams are just going to pick each other apart and in one of those rare 28-28 games where we expect nothing from these offenses. Guys, you're going to play in this from DFS standpoint, and I'll get into this a little bit later, but LaShawn McCoy is a guy you're going to play. I mean, he's going to get his touches, especially if there is no Tyra Taylor. This offense will go through McCoy, even if Peterman starts. They brought in Joe Webb. TJ Yates is still in concussion protocol, so there's limited in options behind Tyra Taylor. Uh, so as far as DFS goes, it's really going to be a LaShawn McCoy on the Jets side. I'd stay away, period. That's really sound advice. Uh, something I saw on Twitter, Josh Hermsmeyer, who's a fantastic writer at Rotoviz, came out with a, with a tweet here saying that don't shy away from LaShawn McCoy because in games where there was a low over-under or games where there was a low expected total amount of points, he still performed. He did a nice chart on it. So don't be afraid of LaShawn McCoy against the Jets. No Sheldon Richardson. They should be fine. There's our news and notes, Scott. Let's hit quarter two. Let's do it. All right, Mike. We're back here for quarter two. Um, let's talk. Let's let's talk about a little something that kind of got got me a little bit going over the weekend. If you, you don't say. And if you follow us on Twitter, me at scot five five seven, Mike at ftsy warrior, Mike, you, you kind of saw this a uh, little bit of a debate we had Saturday. I took part in a, oddly enough another fantasy draft, if you believe it. Tis the season where I sat with the eleventh pick. This was a live draft. A bunch of guys were out in one place. We're having a good time, enjoying our draft. 11th pick, half-point PPR. I went in there with a mindset of what I wanted to do with this 11th pick as we knew the draft order about 24 hours beforehand. As the first round went on, the picks went. David Johnson won, Le'Veon Bell 2, Antonio Brown 3, Julio Jones 4. This went status quo. As we got to my pick at 11, the guy I wanted was there. I took the guy I wanted. The guy my partner here believes I should have taken went number 12, and this turned into a really big Twitter debate, even a personal debate, via text message between us back and forth. Here's the deal. Last week, I talked about Jordan Howard. This is a guy I am high on, big fan of Jordan Howard going into this season. He showed me a lot with our bad team last year with the Bears as a rookie, rushing for 1,300 yards despite getting his first start in week four. The guy that my partner said I should have taken, and as did about 77% of the Twitter universe, said I should take in this quote-unquote proven commodity was Melvin Gordon. Folks, tell me what is proven about Melvin Gordon. I can tell you what's proven about Melvin Gordon. He's yet to play a full season. He's yet to crack a thousand yards. And he still, he has this, po- he's this polarizing figure that people saw for the first half of last season where he scored eight touchdowns in eight weeks, but missed four games, only scored two touchdowns the rest of the season. And people have this misconception that he is a PPR machine. Well, to me, PPR machine, you're looking at 70, 80 catches out of the backfield, a David Johnson type, a Le'Veon Bell type. Melvin Gordon as a rookie had 33, 33 catches. What did Jordan Howard have last year as a rookie? 29. Let's go back further to their college years. Four years in college for Melvin Gordon. He had 22 catches in four years. Jordan Howard, 24. Howard has played in about six or seven less games than Gordon has over the past season. Obviously, Howard's rookie. This is year three now for Gordon. The yardage, rushing yards, is only 300 apart. Touchdowns are only a couple apart. Yes, I get it. Melvin Gordon is in a better offensive situation. He has Phillip Rivers. He also has a lot of wide receivers to deal with. 
Keenan Allen's healthy. Oh, Mike Williams is not on the PUP. He's healthy and ready to go. Tyrell Williams, Travis Benjamin. He's got two tight ends, two of them, that can catch the ball to deal with in that Chargers offense. Jordan Howard is the focal point of this Bears offense. People say he's in a bad system. He's got no quarterback. He played six games last year with Matt Barkley. Matt Barkley was the quarterback for six games. It did not stop Jordan Howard from rushing for the second most yards in the NFL. He caught 29 balls for 300 yards, got himself a touchdown. People say Jordan Howard's not going to get, not going to increase his PPR ability. What are we worried about here? Are we worried about Benny Cunningham? Are we worried about Tariq the Freak Cohen? I need to see something out of these guys. Benny Cunningham has got a career about 16 catches last year, maybe a career worth 80 receptions. Jordan Howard, Melvin Gordon, they're a lot closer than people think. You know the name Melvin Gordon more than you know the name Jordan Howard. That's why I got killed on Twitter. It's fine. You can have your opinion. Listen, I'm not knocking Melvin Gordon. I like Melvin Gordon. But to tell me that to Jordan Howard at 11, Melvin Gordon, I let him go to 12, was a mistake, a glaring mistake. It's not as glaring as you think if you look at the numbers. There was a song that popped into my head here when you told me that you took Jordan Howard over Melvin Gordon. Yes, that's right, because this is a clear example of you're going down with the Titanic. Jordan Howard may have a very nice season. Jordan Howard is a very good second running back, but you don't like Melvin Gordon. I am calling you out here on the that's podcast. That's a lie. I'm a fan you, of Melvin Gordon. When Melvin Gordon came into the league, you liked him. You hyped him. He had a disappointing year, albeit he got the ball a ton that year, so they did give it to him. I think you're still burned by it. I think this is personal. I am calling this a personal attack on Melvin Gordon. Here's my counter. You are arguing that Jordan Howard is the man in Chicago, that he's going to get the lion's share of the work, that even though their quarterback situation is not near as good as the Chargers, and even though their offense is not near as good as the Chargers, he last year had Matt Barkley as his quarterback, he last year, he caught some passes as well. And that Melvin Gordon, which you, I don't know if you talked about, but you probably should have, is not a great yards per carry guy. Correct? Oh, he's not. I was going to get to that, but right. you beat me to it. What right. was his yards per carry? I think it was under four. It three, was 3.7. 3.7. What's Jordan Howard's? 5.2. Okay. That's great. So now what we're arguing is everyone should take players on bad teams because they're going to force fed the ball. So are we touting Allen Robinson over A.J. Green? Because Melvin Gordon was the number one or two running back until he got hurt through week 13. I like Jordan Howard. He's in a terrible offense. They lost a guard, which is critical to rushing plays. They lost Cameron Meredith, so they have even less of a passing attack. And their quarterback is Mike Glennon. So the team is going to be so poor offensively that while he gets red zone carries Jordan Howard, they may never get there. Yeah, I think this big the misconception here is that people think Jordan Howard will not get catches out of the backfield. Both, like I said, similar 
receptions in college. They didn't catch the ball in college. Both of them didn't catch the ball in college. Gordon's got a little bit of competition in the backfield. Brandon Oliver, when he's healthy, oh, when he's on. healthy, oh, he's played two seasons. He has over 60 catches out of the backfield in two seasons when he's healthy. He will be a bit of a change of pace. I think it's just that people look at Melvin Gordon's first half last year. And yes, I drafted Melvin Gordon as a rookie, and he didn't perform, but this is not sour grapes towards Melvin Gordon. Again, I like Melvin Gordon, but I think come end of the year, and we have already discussed this on a personal side and a little personal side wager. That oh, oh, we got a wager, by the Jordan way. Jordan Howard and Melvin Gordon will be extremely similar when it comes to end-of-year stats, and I believe Howard may be a step above. I could be dead wrong on this. There's a lot more mouths to feed in San Diego, and he's not a 80-catch running back. He's not getting 80 catches out of the backfield. Neither is Howard. Could I see both of them getting 50? Yes, I think people just need to understand that Howard will be involved more in this passing game year two in Chicago because he's going to have no choice. There is no more Jerry Langford. They let him go because they have confidence in Howard. He's got Tariq Cohen. He's got Benny Cunningham. Kadeem Carey is hurt. This is Howard's team from an offensive standpoint. I get it. He's on a bad team. I understand the quarterback situation, but he's been there, done that as a rookie. He may flop like Todd Gurley did year two. I'm confident he's worth an 11th overall pick. Melvin Gordon was passed up by 10 other teams as well. He fell to 12. He usually goes a little sooner than that. I stuck to my guns, went with this route. I don't think it's as far off as people think. Cue that music again. You did stick to your guns while the Titanic's going underneath. Let me explain something to you about the receptions. Jordan Howard had 50 targets last year. That is correct. Scotty caught 29 of them. That's 58%. That's not good. Because I don't think Jordan Howard is running post routes to the end zone. So w- some would think that those are short to mid-range passes, correct? And he didn't catch many of them. Let's flip the script. Melvin Gordon had 41 receptions on 57 targets, by the way, through 13 games. That's 72%. And he has a Hall of Fame quarterback. Listen, if Danny Woodhead was there, this is a different story. You can't tell me Brandon Oliver, who didn't play, isn't a threat. Is a threat to him. But Tariq Cohen is not, who's getting flashes all over the preseason? Preseason hype. Again, you look at this, you look at this from a strict numbers standpoint. Howard played, only started from week four on, had 29 catches. Gordon played up until week 12, had 41 catches. Of course, there's a little bit more there in the receptions because of the system he plays in, but these numbers are going to be closer than people think. Gordon has not cracked a thousand yards rushing. I understand it's PPR. This is a half point PPR league I'm talking about. He's got to produce on both ends. I just can't expect him to get 60 catches, but he can run for 710 yards. And, you know, and if unless he's getting 18 touchdowns out of LeGarrette Blunt from last year, this is going to be closer than people think. That's all I'm saying. Keep in mind that Jordan Howard, as much as you want to say that he was this accomplished running back in college, was not the starter last year. He became the starter because Jeremy Langford got hurt in the Dallas game. Melvin Gordon has been the starter for the Chargers since day one. Was he? he? Absolutely. What happened when Danny Woodhead got hurt? They split time up until Woodhead got hurt last year. Right, but they went into the season being 1-1-A. Yes, but Melvin Gordon was getting the carries. The script in his rookie season was he's not producing. He didn't score a touchdown. It's his entire rookie season. And the reason that was relevant is because he was the starting running back. It wouldn't have been an issue if he was the backup running back. There's no headlines on Roto World. Backup running back hasn't scored a touchdown. He's been the man. I am thinking, I think you are taking an unnecessary risk by putting all your eggs in the 14-game sample of Jordan Howard on a horrific Bears offense with no quarterback, no wide receivers. I don't know if he's even that good. And here's my point. 
You're telling me Melvin Gordon was terrible his first year. Fine. That evidently was not the correct perception because last year he was really, really good for a lot of years. He was good for eight weeks. He was good for 13 games. He had a touchdown at 130 yards in week 13. He had eight touchdowns for eight weeks. He finished up with 10. Folks, do not listen to Scott for math. He's saying eight weeks, half the season. In week 13, he had 130 yards and a touchdown. Do they have a 26-week season? Melvin Gordon is going to be the focal point of a really good Chargers offense. You could have taken Gordon, and I'll go this far. I bet you could have got Howard on the wraparound. You have Gordon and Howard. I'm not saying don't draft Jordan Howard. I'm saying Melvin Gordon's floor is higher. Tell the people about our bet. Our bet is pretty simple here. End of year stats. I have Howard outperforming Melvin Gordon. And, and, and by the way, end of year doesn't include week 17, right? Because no. right? when you drafted him, I don't think you said you know. No. I think Melvin Gordon will beat Jordan Howard, but week 17 will make them. So of week course, 1 through 16. It's going to be week 1 through 16. Okay. Lunch is on the line and a nice place we both happen to enjoy, close enough to both of us. Yeah, listen, you're going to follow along with us throughout the season on this podcast. We look forward to having you guys as loyal listeners and followers of this show. You follow along. Listen, some of you might be Team Gordon. You want to hashtag that out on Mike's Twitter? Do that. you Team Howard. Hashtag it with me. Talk to us on Twitter. Listen, I got blasted. The poll was 77 to 23%. It was not even close. My followers are very smart. Thank you very much. Mike's followers, <laughs> Mike's followers, which about triple mine, which is fine. We're getting there. My more, followers are more variant, so that works in your favor. More yeah. I, I had some support, not as much as I had hoped for, but listen, I don't think this is going to be as far off as it's going to be. And if I lose this bet, I don't think it's going to be by some wide 30, 40, 50 point margin. I think these two are within 10 to 15 fantasy points of each other by the end of the year. I think they're both comparable. They're both going to be in the top six, seven fantasy running backs because after Johnson and Bell, it's a crapshoot. That's where I stand. Pro Jordan Howard. And I don't want to hear what so many people do. I don't want the text message on Sunday afternoon letting me know that Jordan Howard has done well against Atlanta. I know he's going to do well against Atlanta. He's my sixth rank running back for week one, but this is not a week one bet. And by the way, Mr. Gordon will do fine against the no fly zone, which means please run zone in Denver. Is that the same of somebody who's drafted in an eight team league and they got four starting running backs and three starting wide receivers say, hey, bud, how do you think I did on my team this year? Was the draft good? Did I do okay? Is that what it is? It's so true, man. Guys, it's so true. Whatever you put the, your teams out on Twitter, it means you think you like your team, right? Except for Matt Kelly, who did it once for player profile, because I have the worst team in the Scott Fishbowl. I give him a lot of credit. Well done. Let's hit quarter three. All right, halftime's recovered. No more Jordan Howard and Melvin Gordon, at least right now. Let's turn to week one rankings. All right, Scott, and we talked about our quarterback rankings for week one, so I thought we'd take a look at the running back rankings for week one. This is interesting because there's a lot of good players, particularly quarterbacks and some running backs that are on the road. And you and I have this argument all the time because I think on the road, I put a lot of weight into it. You laugh because you're like, they're not going you know, across the, the pond yeah, I mean, to, to, to Europe. <laughs> I mean, you're anti-road for every single position every single week. It doesn't matter it doesn't matter if the pittsburgh steelers are playing don bosco prep a local (laughs) charter school in new jersey you are anti-road it doesn't matter you take it to the extreme sometimes too far all right well my first running back here scott for week one i feel is going to be demarco murray look the titans have lost twice in a row at home to the oakland raiders the Oakland Raiders last year had a really strong year, but I wonder, Scott, if they were a little bit over their head. I think starting on the road and beating Tennessee for the third time in a row, when this is a real good Tennessee team with a tremendous offensive line, it could be, Scott, the best offensive line in football. 
This team is going to come out. They're going to pound the rock. DeMarco Murray had a great start to the year last year. Oakland gave up the ninth most uh, fantasy points to running backs. Love DeMarco Murray in week one. Yes, he's home. Tennessee's good. They want this win. They have a great offensive line. I think Murray's a stud. I got him as top running back. Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with you on DeMarco Murray. My only question mark here is how involved will Derrick Henry be? We're going to find this out. I mean, Derek, they have high hopes for Derrick Henry. He was obviously drafted pretty high last year. He's going to enter the season as, I'd say, a 2A, you know, something of that sort, to DeMarco Murray. I think we find out how involved he is from the get-go. If if the snap share is, you know, or touch share is 80-20 in favor of Murray, I think we're, you're in good shape here with DeMarco Murray being the guy. But if Derrick Henry is on the field for 15 touches and gets 15 touches, it's going to cut into Murray's time, and that could hurt you on the top rankings here but I, I get where you're going with Murray he's home the Raiders aren't very good on the road Raiders coming from the west coast and let's not forget though the Raiders did I want to say the first six weeks last year went like four games on the east coast and went four and oh so the Raiders the Raiders know what you know how to handle this east coast thing you're right it might be a little over the head but I like Murray here week one as well that's why you got a hashtag team backfield draft Scott and with the 10th pick tonight uh, maybe DeMarco Murray is my focus I don't know well you're picking ninth I don't know if I should have said that yeah this is our <laughs> this will be an interesting draft we'll talk about next in the next episode we're right in front and after each other in the snake draft in nine and ten all right second one's going to be uh, second running back in week one's going to be bringing it back again bringing it back from his rookie season Todd Gurley's going to run all over the Colts Scott for all the reasons we outlined before Colts were six most generous to opposing running backs in fantasy last year. Scott Tolzien's there, which is going to mean a lot of short fields. Conservative game plan. I don't think we're going to be see Jared Goff slinging it all over the place. And and Gurley is someone who can catch passes. He can, he can do it all. They need the offensive center around him because they got some players who they need to develop. You know, they got Watkins there now who can stretch the field. Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. But certainly they want a conservative game plan. I love Gurley. I love the game script. I love his workload. He's my number two running back for week one. If there was ever a guy that would have some pressure on him week one and who needs a game week one, and I know it's only week one, but it's Todd Gurley. He's coming off a horrendous second season in the NFL after that unbelievable rookie year. He's at home against an Indianapolis Colts team that's got Novante Davis. They have no idea where they're going on offense. The defense isn't good to begin with. This is Todd Gurley's chance to reintroduce himself to fantasy stardom in the NFL. I don't want to put too much stock in only one matchup in one week. But this is a guy who needs a big game. Todd Gurley, would I put him to right now? Probably not. But again, I see where you're coming from. The matchup's there. He's got the ability. We have no idea what we're going to see out of Jared Goff. But Todd Gurley, he needs to live up to your number two expectations or the owners of Gurley are going to start to be worried from the get-go because this matchup is as good as it gets. No guts, no glory. It's week one, baby. I'm going for it, which is why I have David Johnson only as my third running back in week one because why, Scott? He's on the road. He's on the road. 80 receptions last year for DJ. Number one running back in fantasy. Opens up on the road against a tough Detroit defense that's banged up across the board. I like David Johnson. I think he's a safe place. Who doesn't? He's the safest running back here. I don't have him as my number one because he's on the road, but I think he's going to be fantastic for him. Love DJ at Detroit. Yeah, there's not much to say here. I mean, you're not sitting him regardless. So David Johnson, if he's three, may finish one. David Johnson's prime for, you know, another big game. And going to that workload you talked about Le'Veon Bell. He's number four at Cleveland. Listen, we talked last time about Ben Roethlisberger on the road. I don't see it happening here, Scott. I think this is going to be a good offensive game both ways. I think Cleveland actually will do some nice things as well, but certainly Le'Veon Bell is going to catch it. He's going to run with it. I expect him to get in there. He didn't have a great red zone year last year, but the guy's a fantasy points bonanza. Got him as my four running back. I think that's safe. Browns were 30th against the run, 143 yards a game. 31st gets a pass, nearly 400 yards a game. 
Le'Veon Bell is as lock as they get week one, just like David Johnson. So be it number four, no big deal. Number five, Jay Ajayi going against Tampa Bay. I'm calling it right now, Sky. The Dolphins are going to beat the Buccaneers in week one. They're going to beat them at home. Jay Cutler's going to have a big game, and so is Jay Ajayi. The Buccaneers gave up 117 rushing yards per game. Right now, you would assume, Scott, the Dolphins' offensive line is healthy. I know that's always a question mark, but it is week one. I think there's a good game script here. They're going to pound it to Ajayi, try to limit Cutler's mistakes. I think they're going to have a good game, and I like Ajayi as my fifth running back here in week one. Yeah, I could see him being number five. I may put a couple guys ahead of him that we'll probably get to in a few minutes. But again, I think this is another. I think this is a big game for JHI too. Um, a lot of people invested a lot in him as a late first round, very early second round pick, and they're doing it off of what they saw in three games last year. So I need. I think Ajayi needs to go in in Miami in this home opener against Tampa Bay and take apart this Tampa Bay rush defense. Uh, Ajayi needs to step it up. Number five, I could see him being there for you as well. Just to show you my objective, my friend, Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard is my number six running back. The Bears did lose their guard there, but they still have a solid offensive line. I'm not a believer in the Falcons' run defense. I think the Bears are going to have to push it. They're going to have to feed Howard the ball here, at least early on in the year. I like Jordan Howard here. I like him in this spot. He's my sixth running back for week one. Yeah, I don't want to go into the diatribe about Howard. I like him too. The Falcons' rush defense is no good. It's a good spot for Jordan Howard. Number seven is LaShawn McCoy, who's home against the Jets, the Sheldon Richardson-less Jets. McCoy was fourth in overall touchdowns with 14 last year, and he was ninth in red zone carries. Tyrod Taylor's out of concussion protocol. Even if he plays Scott, I think it's going to be a conservative game play. They don't have wide receivers. Jordan Matthews not going to be ready for this game. I think it's McCoy early, McCoy often, which means he's my seventh running back for week one. That's how it should be. I mean, McCoy is the focal point of this offense now. I mean, I'm looking at 30 touches here, whether it's between carries and receptions. Sean McCoy is going to get the ball early, often. All day in this game against the Jets. Mike Gillisley. I'm, I'm hedging my bet here, Scott. I know it's New England running backs, but I think Mike Gillisley is going to get the ball at the goal line. I think they're going to blitz the Chiefs on Thursday. I think they're going to have a massive, massive game. When they get close to the goal line, it's not going to be Rex Burkhead. It's going to be Mike Gillisley. That's my guy. I think it's going to be a big win for the Patriots, which means a lot of running in the second half. I like Gilly. I'm banking on him being the number eight running back in week one. Yeah, I mean, I think I talked to you about this last week off, off the air. I have a feeling this game Thursday night is going to be a Patriots blow, but I think it's going to be... From the ground i think people are expecting brady to go out and just pick apart do his normal 300 yards three four touchdowns i think we may see the running backs uh open up this game brady get his one or two if you guess right on gillisley he'll be the guy to get two i mean you got to take your shot here on guess because we don't know what burkhead's going to involve deon lewis james white so many guys there i agree that when it comes to goal line if we're inside the three four five yard line gillisley should be the first guy to get the touches and if he is you know he should possibly be looking at two touchdowns Number nine, I'm going with Melvin Gordon. Scott, did you know this? Did you know the Broncos gave up 130 rushing yards per game in 2016? I know you can't throw on them. I get it. But 130 rushing yards? So certainly Melvin Gordon's going to be heavily involved. I don't think Oliver plays a lot. I know it's a no-fly zone. To me, it's the please run zone. Melvin Gordon is my number nine running back week one. Yeah, I mean, this is your guy. I had the game plan, and I think the way the game flow dictates this, this is potential, I think, to be a little bit of a low-scoring game. The defense of Denver will still be there. Phillip Rivers, he plays well against the Broncos. So, I mean, they might take their shots. They did just cut TJ Ward, so they lose one guy out of the secondary there. But, yeah, Melvin Gordon, he, we discussed this a few minutes ago. He will be the focal point there, and uh, at least at the ground game, he's going to get his touches. Nine, reasonable, sounds right. Interesting point, Scott. Melvin Gordon, 102.5 rushing yards in games against Denver, only 72 in all the other games. Going on to number 10, the Crow's going to fly. I like Isaiah Crowell. Pittsburgh was seventh most generous to fantasy running backs, giving up 21.2 fantasy points per game to running backs. Deshaun Kaiser's going to run a little bit, Scott. I do think Pittsburgh's going to win this game, but I think Kaiser may open up some running lanes. Crowell had a good start last year, had a good season all the way around. He's trying to get a little bit more involved in the passing game even. I think Crowell is a solid top 10 play. Got him number 10 week one for me. 
Yeah, I mean, he could be. The Steelers do give up points to fantasy running backs, but they got to make sure they take advantage of it and score the touchdowns because the Steelers only give up the eighth fewest rushing yards per game. And that was 93.2 last year. So if Crowell is going to be successful, he's going to have to take advantage of his red zone opportunities and his chances to get in the end zone. If not, you're looking at possibly 70 yards. And if he doesn't score, then you're in a tough spot. Not a big guy here for te- for Devontae Freeman. I don't think anyone should take Devontae Freeman early because of the Tevin Coleman factor. Although, Scott, if you want to take him tonight, number nine in the draft, by all means, go ahead. I, I But I'm going to put Devontae Freeman here as my number 11 running back. My concern is Tevin Coleman is real. Tevin Coleman is there. Devontae Freeman is successful in fantasy because of his red zone carries. If they ever start giving the hammer roll to Tevin Coleman at the goal line, that's going to hurt Devontae Freeman. I just don't feel confident, Scott, putting a timeshare running back, which is what he is, with Tevin Coleman in the top 10. So I got him number 11 against the Bears defense that he should be able to do some stuff on. It is on the road, but I just couldn't put him high the number 11. Yeah, I get the feeling if this game was in Atlanta, he probably cracks your top seven. It'd be negative four. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I see, yeah. I mean, Tevin Coleman's going to be take part in this offense as well. Even Teron Ward gets touches as well. There's, there's a lot of running backs to feed in Atlanta. Freeman's the guy, but he, he's one of these. He's in a situation that we see all across the league. One, one A running backs, which make it so difficult to make judgments on these guys for season long leagues. Freeman sounds right at 11. But could the numbers Freeman get be the numbers Coleman get instead? Absolutely. So I think this is where, you know, maybe Atlanta running backs are 11. And you just got to try and guess right here. And last one, Scott, for me in the top 12. Highest rated rookie running back for me, I know Kareem Hunt truthers, you're going to be angry, is Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook going against the Saints defense last year, Scott, that gave up the third most fantasy points to running backs. My only concern here is Latavius Murray maybe getting the ball at the goal line, but Cook has been involved in the preseason. Murray didn't play that much in the preseason. McKinnon doesn't seem to be a factor that much, maybe in the two-minute drill. I like Dalvin Cook. I like him involved in the all-around game plan, and I really like Minnesota, Scott, going against a poor New Orleans defense. He's going to round out my top 12 with my top rookie running back, Dalvin Cook. Yeah, I like Dalvin Cook here. We talked about how Adrian Peterson wants to make a statement against his former team. I think Dalvin Cook's going to want to make a statement that the reason he let you go is because of me, and I'm here to make a statement for the Minnesota Vikings and be the guy to take, be the heir apparent to you. So it's an intriguing running back matchup that week. I like him at 12. The Saints defense stinks. It doesn't matter who's running or throwing the ball. The Saints defense is just not any good. Dalvin Cook, perfect guy to round out your top 12. Bring it home, my partner. Fourth quarter. All right, Mike, let's start the fourth quarter up. All right, so we are now, I mean, hours away, a couple of days away. You can smell it. I can feel it. I can feel it. It's all coming. Thursday night, we kick this off in New England. we got to talk about this game. It's the first game on the docket. We'll touch base on the other games in the next episode. Kansas City, New England, Chiefs on the road. A lot of people thought the Chiefs should have been in that AFC title game last year to play the Patriots instead of the Steelers if you know Travis Kelsey doesn't drop a ball and so forth. We have Chiefs-Patriots. Week 1 kicks off the NFL season. Fantasy impact. There are some names here. We touched base on a few of them in your rankings this week and last week. Talk to me, who are the key fantasy impact players here? And please don't start with Kareem Hunt. I won't. I'm going to take us back here, Scott, down memory lane. A player that you and I talked a lot about was Jimmy Graham. And no one will argue that Jimmy Graham was a stud when he was in New Orleans, right? And I remember there was a season, I think it was two years ago, maybe three years ago, Jimmy Graham was on fire. He was killing it. They went up to New England. And what happened? Jimmy Graham didn't catch a pass. I remember that. Must have killed DFS lines up, man, that week. Absolutely. And this is my point. Do you think Bill Belichick 
is going to be flummoxed by Tyreek Hill in this game. If you are Bill Belichick, Scott, and you're sitting up there with the hoodie and the whole thing, who are you planning? I know you're planning against Kelsey. I understand that. But Tariq Hill is the explosive player. He's the gadget guy. Reverses, screens, handoffs. Maybe he'll do a little wildcat. Who knows? Tariq Hill. He's a gadget guy. Do not start Tariq Hill against Bill Belichick. He will take care of him. I even like Kareem Hunt better. So to me, if I do a, a little quick rundown here, do not start. Tyreek Hill. I think he can play Kelsey. I think yeah, he's going to get he's going to get volume there, right? And Kareem Hunt. Listen, I would not play him. Somebody uh, that we uh, we work with, last word on sports, was sending me a lineup last night. Like, what do you think about Hunt versus Golden Tate versus Jamison Crowder in a non PPR? I thought that was a fascinating question. You know my bias. I want to see it first. So I said Tate and Crowder. I think that's a really good question. Maybe you can answer it. What you would do in that situation? I don't like Chiefs here, except for Travis Kelsey. I mean, in that situation with those three guys, I'd probably lean towards Golden Tate. I know he's at home against a Cardinal defense, but to me, I would go by... He's home! I, <laughs> I would go by the guy who we who had built a nice rapport with Stafford last year, so I would take Tate in that situation. We, we need to see from Crowder if he can really step up and be the guy for Washington. And Kareem Hunt, look, I drafted him in a league. I took him 80th. We discussed this already in one league. 80, 80th appropriate? Third round? Not appropriate. I don't think he's getting the nod here week one. I need to see what he can do. This is a tough matchup. Fantasy standpoint on the Chiefs, I think you're really the only guy you really want to target is Travis Kelsey. He, he, he's going to get catches. I don't think he'll get shut out like Jimmy Graham did. If the Chiefs do score a couple touchdowns, I would bet Kelsey's got one of them. This game is lopsided to me. One way in the Patriots. I think we all expect that. But let's talk New England side now. The obvious is Brady. Give me somebody other than Brady who's going to make a fantasy impact here. Boy, that's a really good question. The safest one for me, listen, you're going to start Gronkowski when I'm going to talk about that, okay? I would start Gillisley. My, I think Gillisley is the game script dependent player. I think when they run, they're going to give it to him. I think Burkhead could be in the slot a little bit. I think they use that. He had a touchdown in the preseason where he caught that little slap pass. So Deion Lewis versus James White, who, by the way, I saw a stat on Twitter. I forget who it was. Uh, was the RB 25 with uh, 90 targets last year uh, yeah. in PBR. So I like Deion Lewis a lot. I have to tell you, I have a bias against Deion Lewis, the, the juke rate, the whole thing. I like Gillisley. I think that's the play. Of course, Gronkowski, you're going to call me nuts, Scott. I'm not playing Cooks. I'm not well, playing That's what those. I wanted to get to. I, I want to know the wide receivers. I If you if you got to take one. <laughs> so you're talking Cooks. You're talking <sighs> Hogan. You're talking Amendola. Malcolm Mitchell, we're not sure if he's going to suit up. He's, uh, I think he's a little banged up. And now they just brought in Philip Dorsett. I mean, nah, I, so it, you, you got to start one Patriot wide receiver this week. Your gut, who becomes the Julian Edelman of this offense? You're going to think I'm nuts. You're going to think. I, I just don't think it's as easy as Edelman is out and Cooks gets a boost. I don't see it. He was in New Orleans with Drew Brees. They tried to use him in a myriad of ways. I think that the player who will have the most wide receiver fantasy points on Thursday is Chris Hogan. That's not to say that you don't start Brandon Cooks, Scott. I'm not saying that I would sit, but if you had, here's the thing. Would I start Brandon Cooks or Golden Tate? Golden Tate in a second. Would I start Brandon Cooks or Jamison Crowder? Jamison Crowder in a second. And you can argue I haven't seen it from him. I've seen a little bit of it. The Patriots distribute the ball. I think game script's going to matter. If Cooks doesn't get that touchdown the first or midway through the second quarter, he ain't getting one, folks, because it's going to be the hammer gilly. I would go with Chris Hogan. Yeah, I mean, I kind of knew that's the right you're going. I was hoping you'd go Cooks because I'm going Hogan also. It would have been a good radio debate here. But, I mean, I I saw 
And that game, I don't even got hurt in that preseason game against the Lions. And I know it's preseason, but that was game number three, I believe it was, for the Patriots. Hogan, four for 70, two touchdowns. He was targeted all day long. I like Hogan. I He reminds me of a Julian Edelman. He could be a safe play. I think Brady will look his way first. I think Brady and Cook still got to work on a rapport, build something up there. Uh, Amendola, you know, listen, if Amendola ever stayed healthy, he could probably fill the role. But I, we just Amendola has been healthy for the past couple of years. So I go Hogan also with you on that one. Um, I know it's boring, but we agree. But it is what it is. I think Hogan would be the guy, even though I probably would not play any of them. I just wanted to see which route you would go if you had to play one. If you're Andy Reid, Scott, and you're you're planning for this game, and Andy Reid is great coming off a bye, so I think he's going to have a solid game plan. Certainly with all this prep time, you've got to you've got a script, you got to plan for Gronkowski, okay? And you're going to plan for Cooks. That's what you're going to do because he's the number one guy there. I just don't think he's going to he's going to say we'll take our chances with Chris Hogan. Can't you see that phrase coming out of Andy Reid's mouth and the thing? Oh, we'll take our chances with Chris Hogan, right? I mean, most likely that'll be that'll be the route <laughs> it goes. I mean, it's it's obvious Gronkowski's going to get the doubles. I don't think they matter if he's healthy. He beats any double there is. But yeah, when you're when you're Andy Reid and you're looking at you know these myriad of potential playmakers that the Patriots have, you're targeting uh, Cooks is going to be the guy you target now. If this game was Week Seven, Week Eight, you may be targeting somebody else. Then we may see that Cooks may not be what we thought he was. He's not indoors anymore. He doesn't have Drew Brees. It's a different situation. I know Tom Brady is Tom Brady, but again, for me, it's Hogan also. So why don't you give some DFS here, Scott, for the people. DFS, DraftKings, FanDuel, everybody does this stuff. Scott's going to take you here. He's a master of this stuff. He knows where the value is going to be. Talk to the people about some big DFS plays for week one. All right, guys. So, yeah, I'm going to talk a little bit about DraftKings here. I mean, if you're not familiar with DFS, I'm sure you've seen these commercials. You know, DraftKings, they're FanDuel. I'm going to focus on DraftKings this week. They got their $20 millionaire maker. That Monsters Group tournament's going to have over 330,000 entries. Uh, if you're looking to play this, you're looking to stay away from the norm. I like to say you don't want to be the guy to pick the same player everybody's picking. So if you've been playing this before, you know this. This isn't news to you. But if you're a novice and you're looking to get into this, you know, like my partner was a year ago, he wasn't really into this. He's locked in and loaded now. But he, he I hates you for that. He he needed a little bit of info on how to go about this as well. The key for you is to find a couple of guys in your lineup that's going to separate yourself from the others these are guys that are going to be the high risk but high reward type guys guys that may not be owned you want to keep their ownership percentage about three four percent in a big three hundred thirty thousand person tournament so just going to throw a couple guys out at you here this week to see you know just just give you a little bit of tips on who you might want to go with i'll start quarterback position here he's probably going to be owned i'm going to guess his ownership percentage about 12 percent eli manning sunday night in dallas eli manning has games against the cowboys every year this annual game sunday night has become a tradition in nbc eli manning to me is a guy you're going to want to pick there are so many big names out there that you can go for you could take a mariota or a car in that titan raiders game that game has got points written all over it for the Titans and the Raiders. And I think Carr and Mariota are both going to be big-time daily fantasy players that are going to be owned. I like Eli Manning a lot this year, uh, at least in this game against Dallas. Oh, these are Eli Manning's last four games in Dallas. 25 points per game, 273 passing yards per game on average. And this is a guy that's on the road. He tears up the Cowboys. Two and a half touchdowns per game to only one interception. And Eli Manning is a guy who you know, he throws the ball around. We know that he'll throw it to anybody. You want to factor in your $60,000 salary cap on guys you want to look at. Eli Manning comes in at 5600 on the salary. 
guys comparable to that. The David, the Derek Carrs, the Marcus Mariota is a lot higher. You know, Cam Newton, someone I want to stay away from at seventy one hundred. So from a quarterback standpoint, Eli Manning is the guy you want to target for me in Week One. Running back, another running back. I'm gonna really talk briefly about this is Jordan Howard. I used him. His salary is right twenty three hundred as well. He's someone you want to target to fit on there. You're going to twenty fifth worst defense in DraftKings fantasy in the Falcons against the run. Other guy I had keyed up here, Todd Gurley, for his salary. This, like I said, this is a matchup you want for Todd Gurley. He needs a bounce back. The Colts defense stinks. This is a this is a guy you want to target as well. Um, other ones at the wide receiver position. I'm going here. I'm going with with the group here. Julio Jones is the guy I'm targeting. He's going to be owned. He's going to be high owned. He makes sense. It's on the road. I know Mike won't agree, but it makes sense here against the Bears. Julio Jones is my big time guy I'm targeting. And then I'm going with two wide receivers that may not be as high owned but offer some value. First, Devontae Parker. Listen, he's become apparently the guy now in Miami. Jarvis Landry is not number one. That's a great call, Scott. They're targeting Devontae Parker. I know on paper you look at the matchup. The Tampa Tampa Bay was 12th against the pass in DraftKings fantasy points last year, but I like this matchup. Devontae Parker has the home run ability. Jay Cutler is there. He'll take some shots. Devontae Parker, for his salary, is someone that I would take as well. And then the other guy I'm going to take a chance on here is Paul Richardson. He's $3,700 in salary. He's a... I like to call that high-risk, high-reward guy. Jermaine Curse was traded. They like Richardson. He's made plays in the preseason. We've seen him make plays in the Super Bowl. He goes up against the 32nd-ranked pass defense. I know it's in Green Bay, but it's in Green Bay in September. It's not in December. This is a matchup perfect for Paul Richardson. He's going to line up on the outside with Lockett in the slot, opposite balls, and Paul Richardson, perfect guy to target as a wide receiver with some value at only 3700 on the salary portion. My tight end for you, Zach Ertz. Love Zach Ertz this year. I think he's a top 10 tight end. Carson Wentz is only going to take a step forward. They're going to build a nice rapport, probably similar to what you saw from Romo and Witten years in Dallas, Roethlisberger and Miller years in Pittsburgh. I like this. Zach Ertz is a guy for me. He's only 3,500. The Redskins 29th against opposing tight ends. My flex position, because you're going to use a flex. I went additional wide receiver because I want a piece of that Oakland-Tennessee game because I think it's going to be 35-35. Give me Amari Cooper against 31st ranked pass defense of the Tennessee Titans in fantasy and DraftKings. And then my defense, this will be the popular call, but this is the right call for many, many reasons. The Houston Texans, the Jaguars stink. Bortles stinks. Their offense is going to be so bad. This game is in Houston. Just think about the the the, the personal fact, just, just the emotion that's going to be riding in Houston in week one with the Texans against the Jaguars. This defense, what J.J. Watt did raising over $20 million with other players in the NFL and really trying to bring that city together. The Houston Texans will probably be near 40, 50% ownage. I think this is going to be high because their salary is right. Just take it. Take the points. They will dominate the Jacksonville Jaguars on offense. I'm going to try to do this for you guys on a week-to-week basis. Just give you some guys that may not go through a full lineup and give you some key guys to focus on. But you heard it here. Love Eli Manning. Love the Texan defense. Julio Jones is your stud that you want to build around. Your running backs, Howard Gurley. DFS, someone's got to get that million. Why not you? Wow. I mean, that was a tremendous amount of information, Scott. I'm taking notes over here. I got to go make a lineup. Folks, there you go. So we're headed in. This is our last one before the Thursday night game. We will come back to you on Friday morning and give you a a recap of the Thursday game. We'll give you a preview of the weekend game, some plays, what we think, our reactions. We hope you stay with us here at least two times a week, maybe more, picking up the blitz. If you need to reach us, you can hit me up at FTSY Warrior Mike or Scott. At SCOT557, I need to catch Mike's 10,000 followers. Guys, help me out. I'm a little over 3,000. We need to catch up. I'm not 10,000 yet. We got to keep it going. Folks, we hope you enjoy. Can't wait. It's Christmas, Scott. 
I hear the bells already. Christmas fantasy Christmas in September. Ho, ho, ho. Frosty might make an appearance next episode. Pick it up. <laughs>